Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. 2024, wait, what year are we in? 2023. 2023 from the future. I am. Um, I didn't want to give myself away, but I clearly have. I just did. I exposed myself. But um, okay, so 2023 is going to go down in many people's book as being a very weird year for real estate. I think a lot of people have been saying there are no deals to be done. There's no transactions. Interest rates are too high. So just kind of sit on the sidelines, wait for the deals to come to you. They're coming. There's going to be blood in the street. So you should be ready. We've been hearing that for many, many years. Um, but in 2023, I think is the first time that we've seen actual blood. Maybe not running wild in the streets, but there's actually blood dripping on the floor. And with that blood comes opportunity. Mm. If you're a vampire or a real estate investor. And to bring this full circle, because Dan <laughs> doesn't know where I'm going with this. No, I'm picturing Hannibal Lecter right now. Oh, uh, man. Uh, Okay, new, new segue. <laughs> so all that's to say, everybody's all doom and gloom. There are no deals to be had. And yet two weeks ago, we successfully closed on six buildings, five buildings, 10 buildings. Something like that. Something. We a, a collection. We bought a bunch of buildings. And so with that, we just take a couple minutes here to walk you through this deal because it was anything but uh, a walk through the daisies. We'll say that. For that uh, little anecdotal data point, um, I did a, uh, I spoke on a panel the other day at um, that RE Journal thing. Mm-hmm. And this is like a, a real estate, uh, I think, what do they have these things, like once a month or something? It's like a real estate, uh, I don't want to use the word conference, what is it? It's a, a continued education program. Right. Yeah. So it's a room full of real estate people. I'd say maybe there's like, what, 200 people in there or something? Something like that. Yeah. So obviously real estate people take it with a grain of salt, but at the beginning of it, the guy who was moderating the thing took a poll of the crowd and was like, okay, who's, who's, who's doom and gloom and thinks that uh, things are bad and they're just going to get worse and who's feeling optimistic and he had to raise their hands and I didn't pay a ton of attention, but uh, I gleaned from his perception or his um, interpretation of that, that it was kind of like 75% people optimistic and about only about 25% or definitely less than 30% were doom and gloom. Interesting. Oh, this is the worst. So, but it's, it's a room full of real estate people. So it's certainly the media know. narrative that you hear is that it's doom and gloom. But like to your point, it's a room full of real estate people, and a lot of them are hoping, hoping. <laughs> yeah, they're like I, I raised my hand. I was, I'm optimistic, but, yeah. uh, but I think doom and gloom sells. So that's probably why that's the narrative that people choose to go with on the news. It's, everything's fine. Is it going to get clicks? Everything's <laughs> so. going as expected. But okay, so with this deal. You want to walk us through it? Cause like, I don't even the, know where to start. Give us the high level on it. We'll walk through the drama that unfolded. And, and, and spoiler alert, a lot of the, the drama that unfolded on this deal was related to debt markets. That's the punchline. We'll explain what exactly happened there. But I think the punchline is we closed. So spoiler alert, we got it done. How many punchlines are there in this thing? Like three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So first punchline, <laughs> high level, what was, this, what was this deal that we... <laughs> We, we traipsed into in the midst of this 
this chaotic doom and gloom environment? Yeah. So I think any investor that I chatted with for, you know, from like the end of last year up until we started looking at this deal knows that my kind of soundbite to the question, Hey, when are you guys do another deal was, uh, it's probably going to be a slow year in 2023. We just had historically fast interest rates, uh, historically fast rise in interest rates. And it's really tough to get things to pencil. And, you know, throughout the first part of this year, sellers still wanted to sell at a five cap, even though the cost of debt was somewhere between six and six, five early in the year. Right. And so we're like, nothing really makes sense. So we're looking, but I had expectations of this being a pretty slow year, but we did have something come across our desk from a, a guy that we've transacted with in the past. Uh, so that we've got a good re- uh, relationship with and um, his price point was Reasonable. It made sense, which was weird. Most of the stuff I had seen up until June or July of this year, sellers wanted a five cap. It wasn't yeah. until like summer where I started, People st- started, started to, like to see push off a bit. But he came in from like the spring and was like, okay, I'll be reasonable with this. Yeah. He kind of saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. I mean, what you, what you got to do. It's like, yep. it's, it's the way it is right now. The cost of debt went up. You can't afford to pay as much. So we're looking at these products that, you know, we've looked at before because we know the guy and, you know, these are five cap products mm-hmm. historically and now we're looking at them and they're six and a half seven caps uh and which made a heck of a lot of sense so lo and behold we did find a thing that that made sense to do the economics made sense and it worked even with interest rates where they're at mm-hmm. yeah the, the the takeaway here is relationships go a really long way like having that relationship with a seller who understands the market dynamics and is willing to work within it still very hard to find a lot of those sellers though, because if your debt is not running to maturity right now, a lot of sellers aren't willing to, to sell their building, f- you know, for a seven cap, which, you know, maybe in a couple of years, they, they think it'll come back down to a five cap. So these, these deals are still r- rare, but they're there. The difficulty then is for the first time in a long time is the bank financing. Money yeah. used to be very, very easy. Pretty much any bank would throw money at your face, low interest rates, give you any terms that you want, close when you want. Like, it's very, very easy for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just it's pick not up easy. the phone and say, hey, I got a thing. They're like, here, take the money. Take their money. Take like, more. Like, okay. Um, it's not that now. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't really normal, right? Totally. The whole time we've been pretty much adults, it's been like that. Yeah. But, you know, if you go back to 80s, 90s, 70s, like all these previous decades, it's like this post 2008 thing that was just this long extended period of just easy. Mm -hmm. So everyone got really used to it, but uh, it was nice. I'm waiting for those days to come back, but um, let's walk through the narrative. Like, okay, so we put this thing, I think under contract late spring, we brought it to investors June. Yeah. I think it was around May ish where conversations started probably April May ish is where we're like, okay, here's how many buildings was it and units and all that. Uh, this was six buildings, 68 units. Yep. It was like, a f- I think we raised about three and a half million on it. Uh, well, something the number changed. We'll get there. Multiple times. <laughs> started yeah. as I a can't seven, remember how much. Started as a seven building package of, uh, oh geez, what was it? 80, 81. 81. It was 81 right. units yeah. originally. It was originally seven, seven buildings. Um, and then in the time between when we, Put them under contracts, started raising capital, and when we got financing locked in, some things had changed. A couple things. A couple things. things. So, yeah, uh, it was around June-ish that we had this package put together, and we're bringing it to our investors saying, hey, look at this great thing. Um, you should invest in it. At that point, um, seven buildings, 81 units. 
Uh, but it took about a month, at least a month, if not, I'm looking at my notes here, more than a month, actually, uh, of shopping around for debt and getting shot down. Yeah, I, I don't think we locked anything in until July, late didn't. July. We didn't. We yeah. went to, first stop was a bank that had just done a refinance for us, which went great, especially in this environment, to say, hey, we love all the stuff you've done on this refi. The terms are great. Um, here's another thing. And they're like, uh, you know, we... That's too much, right? We just did a thing over here, and we don't want to take on that much exposure. And we're like, okay, well, let's go shopping. So we get the mortgage broker engaged. She's shopping all over town, and it is slow. It usually doesn't take more than a week or two to get a mortgage broker to send back a handful of term sheets. And a month. This is a month. And it's like, okay, I've got... Did he fall asleep at the wheel? Is he still looking? Like, what's happening He's looking. He's just getting a lot of no's or a lot of term sheets that are just, you know, offensively. Yeah, never going to work. Just not going to work. And so until he got, he brought two after about a month. One of them looked okay as far as terms go, but he had no experience with that bank. Or, you know, someone in his company had, but he'd never worked with them. I'd never worked with them. I was like, in this environment, I got to have some familiarity, whether it's you or me. Someone's got to know this bank so we can trust them. Um, so we didn't really make a whole lot of traction with him. Then the turns broker, out, punch another punchline. Yeah. Uh, turns out, doesn't matter if you know the bank, you have a relationship, you can still get screwed by them. We'll, we'll, get, there. we'll <laughs> just, get there. I want to just let you guys know that's so, coming. <laughs> so not the mortgage broker, but the actual uh, bank. real estate broker on this deal procured a very attractive, too attractive of a term sheet. Uh, around this time, we're like, oh, great. That's this fantastic. Is, this is it. a bank we've worked with. The terms are amazing. Um, yada, yada, yada. We start to run that direction really fast. So um, any notes on? on nope. So far, so, so good. So we finally found the bank. We had a relationship. We actually have another loan with them mm-hmm. on a different asset. And they were great. And it was coming through a relationship with the broker who was representing the seller who has you know ten, dozens of buildings and he has done deals with them. So there was... A lot of goodwill, a lot of relationship here. And uh, then what happened? Yeah, everything was great. We got these terms. We re-underwrote the deal. Like, wow, this got better. better. This got <laughs> better. Because um, we were seeing term sheets in the sevens. And uh, this was, I think, what, 6.15? 6. 6. Yeah. And uh, I was like, this is exciting. So we shared with our investors. Everyone was feeling great. And then um, about a month, yeah, about a month later, we're working through the process of the bank as you so do. So now it's late August. Uh, Early all, September? Yeah, September 6th, actually. Yep. Uh, all of a sudden, our 615 changes to 695. Record scratch. Overnight. Thank you. Overnight. Just, <laughs> hey, by the way, guys, that uh, interest rate where we quoted you at 615, yeah, I meant 69. Um, hope that doesn't bother you. That changes it, things. It bothered us. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, so we're creative. The seller's creative. Uh, we solve problems. We go back to them and say, okay, how can we restructure the economics of this deal so that we can go back to our investors and show them something that's going to have a, a similar uh, economic outcome to what we just pitched because this is starting to look like a bait and switch because I felt bait and I switched felt we were bait. Bait, we were 100% bait and, and, baited and switched did. and there was no way to make the deal work at this number like it, it, it kind of nuked the, the economics that we had shown investors I mean they just would have gone from uh, pretty good to not that great it wouldn't have like blown the deal up we could have done it but it was a significant difference in the return so mm-hmm. we're like how can we make this different we didn't mention this, but initially in this package, we got seller financing on one of the buildings at 4% interest only forever, which really helps the story. So we go back to them, we brainstorm, uh, we take the, the lowest performing building of the collection, we drop that out, and we get seller financing on an additional building. So now we only need bank financing on four buildings, and our blended 
cost of debt uh, actually looks pretty good with that seller carryback on those two buildings mixed in, even at 695. So we're like, okay, crisis averted. The We've, deal just got better. It's, it, we're good to go. For our investors, yep. and we're good to go. So now it's mid-September, a couple weeks later. Yeah. The bank is we're now going to, uh, we're, we're ready for closing. We have it on the calendar. And bank is going to final committee. And then what? We're within days. Within days. We're like, okay, we did it. Yay. We did it. Uh, then final committee happens. And we had this underwritten at, I think we ended around, um, we started at 70% LTV initially. 70, yep. Things started to change. We were like, okay, it's probably going to be more like 65. But to be safe, we'll plan on 60% LTV. To be safe. Pretty conservative. Yeah, they come back and across the the buildings, the four buildings that ranged from 35, I think the highest LTV was 48%. Okay, so let's pause there for a second because I don't think you gave that as much gravitas as it probably was. They were giving us millions of dollars less than we expected. We They came back from initially saying, hey, we're going to give a loan 65 to 70% of the value of this asset, these assets. They came back and suddenly it was, we'll loan 30 to 50%, depending on the d- different buildings. 30%. Let's that th- sink in. We're like, wait, no, that's usually what we bring to the table. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? So like, I thought that it was, was a typo when I got the emails. Like, that was the king what? of all bait and switches that you will ever see in your life. 30% LTV. And now the deal doesn't work. No, now the deal does not work. That that that, that just it's an all cash deal at that point. Yeah. Like why even why would even go to you guys? Yeah. Yeah, so that was a, a traumatizing uh feeling. But uh people who are in this industry always are gonna have contingency plans if they know what they're doing. And we were already kind of starting some conversations with some other banks just to be safe. Uh, there was another one that we had queued up that we were hoping we were gonna have to switch gears again because that would add more time. Uh, a grant bank that uh I haven't worked with yet, but the seller had, the broker had. Another seller we've worked with uh, referred me to that bank in the past, so I knew that they had a really good track record in the in our neighborhood. But, um, yeah, so that was basically a no from that bank. Hard no. Nope. Uh, not doing this deal. So we shifted. We pivoted. We found another bank. And, and by got, the way, by the way, let's just take a p- second, because, like, banks never do that usually, where they really, change the interest rates yeah. on you, bait and switch, and then coming back at the 11th hour, changing the LTV on you. They don't do that because it does irreparable reputation damage. However, in the environment that these banks are in, they had no choice. Like, they're they're like, we, we got to make money somehow. We're Their balance sheets aren't looking great, so. Yeah, and this wasn't a... This had nothing to do with the deal. This had nothing to do with us. This was a top-down decision by the bank. Across the board, everybody, the whole, every deal. Yeah, everybody that had something in progress was getting hosed in a similar way. Um, but, you know, it brought up some interesting questions from investors. And they said, wait, what? You know, wasn't this locked in? And it's like, well, actually, you know, with Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, with those agency lenders, yes, you lock your rate in for a period of time. But with regional banks... It's a it's a strong reputational handshake. It's a handshake, yeah. right? And it's it's not technically bound or locked in, um, which, but everyone knows you don't want to screw your customers over because they're not going to come back. Which, in fairness, I don't know if I completely knew that. Like, I kind of, I kind of took it as like nobody does it, so I kind of took it as like, oh, it was probably some kind. Of, it was probably contractual, but then when they did it, I was like, oh, I guess there isn't a contract here. Um, no. They they just completely nuked their relationship. I mean, you could pay to do it effectively totally. and say, okay, you're offering me six point one five now. Let's make it six two, and it's locked in. Yeah, we, and never, we did that on the next one. <laughs> we did it. 
Learn that <laughs> when we switch banks again, we're like, hey, let's lock this in. Oh, what's it cost? Three basis points? Thank you. Fuck it. Do it. It's three basis points on like 7%. Not going to matter. But, but yeah, we pivoted. We found a new bank. The terms actually got a little bit better. We got a little bit more IO. Um, we got the um, uh, loan sizing that we wanted, the amount of proceeds. Um, it ended well. We just had to go through a, a shitstorm to get that. So I had to endure some stuff. And like, this is, I think the takeaway is that if you want to do deals during rough tumultuous market cycles like this, you're going to have to be prepared to, to, to problem solve and pivot. There's going to be some pivots along the way. And my best recommendation is if you're trying to raise capital from investors, just try to in, uh, communicate as much as possible and as transparently as possible. Even like truthfully, it's probably something that we could have still done more of. The problem is there's a whole lot of time where we don't know what's happening because we're waiting to hear back from the bank, let's say, and it's like, um, we'll report back as soon as there's something to report back. Um, but it's just, it's tough times. So hopefully you're able to communicate that with your investors. If you are an investor, just be aware, like that's, that's what's happening out there. But, um, you know, good operators will still find a way through and bring the good deals still. But, um, you know, now the, now the fun part is, um, actually operating the things. So, at this point, that, that hopefully, that's, hopefully easy. that's the easy part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually the closing. Usually, I don't say that, but uh, after this closing, yeah, it can't be much but worse. I mean, even <laughs> like a good market when it's quote unquote easy and money's everywhere, there's the still always you know some some uh, you know unforeseen things that pop up during a closing process. There's always an eleventh hour scramble for something. So, I don't think I've ever had a closing that was like just smooth and easy. Yeah, and, and, and this is the second time we've had we've had. Maybe but like in the grand scheme of things, that's not much. We had one other bank do this, a very similar thing to us about two years ago, two and a half years ago. And it, uh, that was, again, yeah. um, it, it, it was tied to inflationary data that came out like a couple weeks before the, the, the closing date. Bank got spooked, changed their entire you know lending program overnight. And the, the message here is have backups and then be willing to and ready to pivot. Don't put all your eggs into one single basket and uh, meaning bank into the bank. Yeah. Cause you just never know the deal is not done until the paperwork is signed. Yeah. And often you can take it for granted that the bank is going to be the one entity in the relationship that will come through. They seem like the most one, most trustful so far in my experience bank bank is not the most trustful. Bank has backed out more often than sellers have on us. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we haven't sold anything, but I'd assume the same could be said for buyers. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll, not. We'll actually. see when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah, that was a crazy, it was a crazy deal. Um, but I, I think I've been hearing, you know, similar stories from everybody out there. Um, our good friend, I don't want to name names because, um, I don't know if they want to talk about this stuff publicly, but you don't know um, other name. operators who put contracts, um, pro- properties under contract in June, same time as we did. Um, their, their closing timelines got extended two, three, four times. Actually, when we closed, um, I talked to them and I don't think they had closed yet. So it was like very, very similar story. I don't know if their relationship with the bank, like was going through the same stuff, but it seems to be pretty common that closings are taking a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, we used to project, you know, 60 days for us to put a deal under contract, go raise the capital, do the due diligence and close. Anything less than 90 days is overly optimistic right now. But what one thing I did learn in this process that I think is going to hold true wherever you are, if you're dealing with regional banks and these types of assets, if possible, uh, try to chop things up a little bit more. If you're buying one big building, you can't do that. But if you're you know buying seven, eight buildings at a time like us, 
it's an easier sell showing up with a smaller deal for a couple million, couple million bucks than it is to show up with a $10 million deal right now. It just takes less signatures from the committee and all that good stuff. So if possible, tranche things out a little bit more, bring smaller deals to a couple different banks. That seems to be the way to get things done with less um, uh, scrutiny from the bank. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the, 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 the level of questions these guys have these days. About really straightforward good deals. Yeah, that's the other thing. I forgot about this. Is the in this other operator was saying this, and you experienced the same thing. Is that the banks came back with a lot more questions, tons, a lot more questions than usual. I'm fine with that if it's early. It's the day before closing that they want a whole. Wait, <laughs> what's this? Why am I why am I taking my SATs now? What is this? Yeah, it's like <laughs> where were these questions a month ago? Yeah, but. Anyways, yeah, it's crazy. I think it's gotten a little better in the last few months, and I'm hoping that trend continues, and this time next year it's somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So buckle up. Get to it. Good luck out there, and um, don't give up. Never surrender. And stay in school. Don't do drugs. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.